Hi, I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. And I'm Will. And you're listening to The, the Crusading, Crusading Couch. Couch! This is a podcast where we discuss different aspects of gaming theory. Like, what are the responsibilities of the player? Or how game mechanics affect the atmosphere of a game. We'll also be giving advice and tips from time to time. How do you keep your games from running over time? What to do with a cheating player? Primarily, we'll be talking about tabletop role-playing games like D&D and World of Darkness. But we also hope to talk about other games, uh, such as board games, for an example. And uh, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about things that aren't even board games. The topic for today's episode is, what is a good introductory system or game for uh, people new to role-playing games? Uh, seeing as this is our first episode, we're also going to tell you a little bit about ourselves uh, and our first RPG experiences. My name's Raymond. Uh, I am the main uh, actor, creator behind both The Crusading Couch, name credit goes to Kim, uh, and uh, Insert Quest Here, which is the main site where we do our actual plays. Um, Kim and I actually know each other from high school, and I think there's a good, a good yeah. segue. Yeah, so my name's Kim, uh, I've been role-playing for a while now, I also do a lot of computer playing, and mm. um, I, I'm actually doing my PhD in uh, plant biology, so uh, I don't have a lot of time for my hobbies, but the time that I do spend is uh, quality he, time. He gives his all when he gets And the uh, that's actually where I know Billy from. I met him in my first year of uni. That's um, right. I will refer to Will as Billy, just so you know. Just to keep you guys on your toes. Yeah, Will and Billy are going to be always the same person. Yeah, they hopefully. are synonymous. And also Wilfred and Bilverine. Really, it's best to assume that anything not addressed to Kim or Raymond is referring to me. I have many names. That guy. Okay, yeah, as Kim said, we met at uni, uh, I did Bachelor of Psychology, good times, now I'm out in the big bad world, I'm just a pretty much tabletop RPG enthusiast. Yeah. Uh, should keep, uh, that should be enough for now. Indeed. Um, so, what was your first role-playing game experience? Uh, tabletop role-playing game, not like video game. Yeah, well, <laughs> like I... Final Fantasy or Fallout... Not that those are bad. No, they're actually pretty good, but it's for another time we'll talk about computer games. That is uh, another day. Yeah. Uh, I actually had my first role-playing experience um, in an ongoing campaign of Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition. I was playing a uh, dark elf wizard called Sathis, and um, he was supposed to be like a mob killer like wizards are in fourth ed D&D but he ended up basically taking down a hydra oh killing mobs as in hordes yeah yeah, right. yeah, yeah I'm like yeah, yeah. you're a mafia wizard oh, no, 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 the no, no, wizards no, no, are all part of the mafia no, in yeah. fourth ed why yeah. has no, no one mentioned this you're not with the wizard mafia <laughs> why is everyone always bad mouthing fourth ed if They've got wizard mafia. Yeah. yeah. No, mobs, that is as shit. in like a whole bunch of mooks. Yeah. Just killing mooks left, right, and center. But this guy took down a hydra, basically single-handed, uh, kind of killing half his part, like half killing his party at the same time in a giant electrical whirlpool. Classic side fireball death. Classic Kim maneuver. Watch as I steal the spotlight and invalidate everyone else's character. We got through it. Glorious. Yeah, my first experience was uh, Dungeons and Dragons in the Pathfinder in an ongoing campaign. I was playing just a pretty <coughs> stock standard wizard called Varial, who, due to being my first experience, ended up with no real defining characteristics other than being the legit guy. Didn't he die? Yeah. He died. They he got, got eaten by a land shark. There were shenanigans. There were a lot of things in that campaign that we will talk about at a later date. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was actually the first campaign that I'd played in as well, but I'd actually played one game before that. Uh, it was after someone's... We are at someone's birthday party, and the majority of the people at this party were actually in another campaign. I'm not sure if it was the same Yeah, one. it was this campaign that I was playing Saturday. Uh, and so I was the only one that wasn't part of that campaign, and so we went back to... To, uh, a friend of ours place and we, and they wanted to play that and so that was my first introduction and then I felt really... So what did you do? Like, what I you... played the ancient elf dude 
that Jeremy's character thing or whatever it was. Oh, did you play an NPC? Uh, essentially, yeah. yeah. Basically. Okay, cool. Um, which was fine. I don't really remember much about yeah. that. I I, I, en <laughs> I enjoyed <laughs> playing it, and I really wanted to play again, but I was not invited back for whatever reason uh, until. Billy uh, and I joined the same new uh, Pathfinder campaign, and I played Hong, the monk, uh, and I played... I was involved in that campaign Indeed. as well. I came into it a little bit later with a... Indeed. With an, uh, a ranger. With a ranger called Tristan. Indeed. My, my, my Hong the, was inspired by uh, Uncle Iroh a little bit, but also um, the bulletproof monk in Bulletproof Monk. He wanted the lands just looking for people with limbs that he could trip this Yeah, I, I really wanted travel. to I really wanted to use my monk powers and stuff, but we were always fighting things that were not humanoid. Yeah, we were fighting lots of creatures. And which... so I can't disarm the dragon. I can't disarm the the well. cube. Um and oh. for some reason at the end of that I came out with the idea that monks were overpowered. Which Which yeah. is totally Erroneous. <laughs> monks can do cool things. Anyway, we won't get on to talking about the coolness of monks. But yeah, but those are our first D and D. Yeah, the well, their first role playing experience. Yes. they all happen to just be on two systems that came back yeah, to back. Yeah, D and D Pathfinder equivalents. Oh, all, all D twenty. All D twenty. All D twenty type systems. So we've got a we've got a little bit of a limited range here of first experiences, but but Raymond here has actually taken taken role playing enthusiasm to a whole new level and is now like the fucking guru of uh, role playing knowledge in our local area. Or, yeah. Or so or, or, or something like I'm... that. He's just he's just. Yeah. Spends all of his time. I, we're, we're all pretty big. <laughs> we're all pretty big role playing. Clipface. <laughs> I'm not going to mention the clipface till later. We're all pretty big role playing game fans um, in our circle of friends, um, and there are certainly people that are better storytellers uh, than I am. But I do not have any problem saying that I am probably the biggest role-playing game enthusiast. Yeah, I would group. agree with that. I, the most knowledge of the... I absorb systems and settings. Uh, I want to know about the ways different people play role-playing games. I'm always looking for new things to include in my games. Uh, like, a few years ago I started including physical puzzles. Uh, which is not that new. That damn Jenga. That Jenga Tower, which may be coming back tomorrow when we play oh, That's Space. cool. I played in that first Jenga Tower one, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. It was the one where you had the special... Yeah, there was a symbol drawn on some of them. On and some you guys do enjoy physical puzzles. Indeed. I tried um, doing that in my Arcanum quest, but it didn't really... I think the adding of a timer is really good um, because it uh, keeps that uh, uh, urgency. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially should have done that rather than just being like put together the. Well, we and and anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Yeah, You'll be able to actually hear if you listen to that episode of Arcanum Quest, which will start airing in a few weeks on Fridays on Insert Quest. Depends here. on when you put this up, I guess. Well, if you are in past the, if, or future yeah. Arcanum Quest podcasts, somewhere in the time stream lurks the Arcanum within, podcast. Within the multi-stream of time, the it's wibbly wobbly. In the future for us now. Indeed. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, seeing as we were talking about D&D, and then managed to get a bit sidetracked, um, I thought we could start there. Lots of people consider that D&D is, uh... Untypal system? Indeed. It's the, it's the, you should, what system should you start with? Oh, you should start with D&D. &D. And I really want to talk about why people say to start with D&D, &D and how I think, um... It's not the best system to start with, but I can under I can see those points. So Whereas you... I'm quite an advocate for yeah. D&D as a starting system. I have to we'll agree go with into that. the reasons why I think that. Indeed. As we discuss, I think ours might be quite similar. Well, so I'll just start with my points as to why I think it is and isn't good. Um, the, you might have heard these points before online, uh, on other podcasts and stuff, but 
I think it's a really good system to start with because it provides a shared experience. Pretty much everyone that's role-played has played D&D or Pathfinder or another D20 system like D20 Modern. Yeah. Just to clarify, that shared experience as in people playing role-playing games. Not Indeed. shared experience as in like the party splits up the XP yeah. themselves. Yeah. Although that does actually <laughs> still happen, that's not what we're talking about. No, we're talking about... Um, <laughs> Having it's a it's a similar idea to why we it's a, one of the reasons we have public schools and why school systems are important in the West primarily, but like they're important everywhere. Uh, it provides a shared piece of knowledge, a shared experience that everyone's gone through. Like even if if you're from America, I'm from Australia, we can still bond over the fact that we've gone to school, we've dealt dealt with testing and bullying and clicks and things like that that come up from schooling. Okay, but it's if a similar thing for D&D. If it's your first time starting, does that uh, actually have too much to bear? If you've got perhaps a group of players who haven't had any experience with tabletop RPGs before? Indeed. It's not necessary to have that shared experience to I begin with. It, it's an important thing for building in the future is why yeah. I... Th- is, is the main reason I think D&D... Okay, so you think the good. D&D is a good, a good system to start with because... Most people actually view it as the starting system. And so most and people so have when, played it, so you have right, a okay. knowledge base that you can compare to everyone else. I'm going to chip in here because I think this point is valid. Uh, D&D, uh, one of the reasons I think it's such a good starting system, similar to what Raymond says, it, it's such a... It essentially has all of the tropes uh, of you sort of people associate with classic uh, tabletop role-playing. Well, it is um, the classic tabletop role-playing. It is pretty much the first. If I you, think there's a few things that came before that were kind of role-playing games. But even but people that haven't role-played have heard of yeah. D&D. Like, they just kind Thanks of go, to those wonderful movies. They just kind of go, oh, D&D, so you good. guys... Are, and it's actually, no, it's actually quite fun. Um, and it's just, it's just such a good starting point for those reasons. And if you not play, if you've not played tabletop RPGs before, and you find you're not enjoying what uh, DD has to offer, uh, you may not uh, enjoy other things as well. Of course, different systems, I have, different themes. Yeah. I think Raymond disagrees with this point. Indeed. So the reason that I disagree with this, the reason that I don't think DD is a good starting system, is because of the way. Primarily because of the way most people run D&D but, uh, and Pathfinder, but also because of the system. The system is very uh, mechanics heavy. Uh, it's not easy to understand everything to begin with. And the way the system is laid out, it's not normally a matter of here's the thing I want to do, here's how I can do it. It's, here's the thing I want to do, and here's the way you have to do it within the rules. I want to trip that guy. Okay, well, you've got to make this trip maneuver, and you've got to do this, but if you do that, then you can't run, or you can't do this other action that you wanted to include in that. Now, if you're running that as a GM and you're fine to stretch that those rules, that's fine, but most people view look at D&D and think, oh, well, those are the rules... That's how they're laid out. Well, we have to play by those rules. I think that that actually helps people with their first role-playing experience. Agreed. Because, the me- the, because it's mechanically so rigid. It's not just like... The, the creative aspect isn't so prominent, so it actually helps them by defining the box in which they have to work. Well, that's certainly an interesting point. And as they play more and become more experienced, yeah. then but they start looking Then at they start trying to flip Because the then rules. they kind of go, oh, now I can be really creative about yeah. this because I have come up, I have now understood this basic role-playing concept, and now I want to apply it in different ways that D&D doesn't allow me to do because of the rigidity of the mechanical system, and mm. then people move away. I guess I understand your point uh, with that, but I'd s- I... I guess it links to another thing that I wanted to talk about, which is what lessons do you want to instill in a new player? When you're introducing someone to role-playing games, what do you want them... DM is God. (laughs) DM is God. Is God infallible? No. If you start arguing with the DM, it's like arguing with the umpire or a ref in a game of sports. You've already lost before you open your mouth and you just shouldn't try. But can you attempt to sway? Indeed. That's that's a good point that Kim's made, but I'm I'm with Billy on... DMs are only human and sometimes they make mistakes uh, or sometimes they might not know 
depending I'm, on the storyteller yeah. and how much work they put in. For instance, I was in a game recently uh, where there was a situation. Was that it my occurred. game? It was not your game. <laughs> um, where the uh, storyteller uh, was wrong. Uh, with the mechanics and what they were trying to do. It wasn't a case if they were sort of doing their own thing uh, or playing the system a bit. It was they had completely misunderstood. Yes. And in that case, I feel that God is fallible and you, uh, if they're presenting a game where the rules are a large thing apparent and you have to follow them, uh, you are entitled to call them out on their shit there. I know the way that I run... There are definitely things in my head that I have cemented and it's like... I'm not going to shift on these points of what I think is possible. But at the same time, there are other things where I might definitely make a suggestion. If you're like... I think that's a different I, issue, though. If, yeah. I think, I, I think <laughs> it's... Segway. I think it's similar, is my point. I, I think this is what, what Billy's talking about, is that... There is a very definite rule. The DM has made it clear that they're trying to follow the rules that Indeed. are actually oh, okay, yeah, the yeah. game they're, that presenting. they're working in, and they have completely got it wrong. In the Arcanum Quest podcasts, you'll see that I get Warhammer damage. You get weapon damage. Weapon damage wrong. You almost it, get it, 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 it occurs in a particular incident with a Warhammer where Beautiful. instead of adding that number of dice to the dice pool, I multiplied the number of successes by that factor. So instead of adding four dice to the attacking dice pool, that would be the four dice. This is in World of Darkness, by the way. You are getting sidetracked. That would go into the... Uh, weapon. Mm. I actually, mo I actually multiplied it by four and said so. And, and, and uh, one of my players took sixteen bashing sure. damage yeah. instead of. For those not familiar, that's a fuck ton. That's a lot. Instead of <laughs> instead of something reasonable. Um, okay, I'm actually going to tie. So this I got back. it wrong. I got it wrong in mm. that instance, and it is okay Indeed. for players to tell me as a DM, that I've got the mechanic wrong. I'm going to see what Billy has to say. I didn't understand. But I do have another point related to I'm going to bring this back to, in relation to Pathfire and a starting system, I think another one of its strengths is it's quite, uh, as Kim was talking about with Structure it's quite a clear-cut relationship between the players and the storyteller, in that you, the world is defined in a way that you know uh, what you can expect from them mm. and how things are going to work and... Uh, that kind of stuff. Whereas other games which are a bit more grey around the edges, a bit less defined, uh, there's not that, okay, I know how this is, what's going to happen here, how this is going to work. If you're coming from a um, a more video game RPG based type of thing and you and and if you if your mindset is that of you want to game role playing, um where you're in it for getting the maximum efficiency and the best numbers and things like that, then D&D's a system that is optimised for that kind of stuff. Like, if you want a game... Oh, my God. Yes. If you want a game role-playing, yeah. then D&D and Pathfinder, those are A friend of mine that I was actually talking to the other day about this first podcast of mm. the Crusading Couch and talking about first role-playing systems and all that kind of thing, we were talking about how it is a good role-playing... Well, he actually told me when I was saying that this is the question that we'll be asking, that uh, this is a good role-playing system. D&D mm. um, &D being... A, yeah, a, 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 D20 a, and stuff like that. A, a good, a good role-playing system to introduce people in, particularly when they're coming from a, a role-playing computer game background, which a lot of people these days do because computer gaming is so mainstream. Um... Another part, uh, another one of the things that I would like to instill into new players, um, and this was actually brought up by another person as well, like I'd had it in the back of my mind but I hadn't really thought about it, is you want to get into their mind that this is not a system, this is not like a computer game. You can try, keyword being try, anything. Whether it will succeed, however, is up to the GM and, to a lesser extent, the rules um, and also the setting. But you have that opportunity to attempt pretty much anything you can think of. Um, and that's 
a really important thing to get across. You don't want people to just be waiting their turn to do an action. You want them to be thinking about what they as the character are doing in this situation. What they're trying to get done and accomplish, you know, what kind of ideas they're coming up with. I think this comes back to the mechanical nature of D&D again, is that with new role players, it is possible to try and instill too much mm. at the same time. And that breaking of the mold of the concept of a role-playing game, role-playing game, I'm doing the bunny ears, inverted commas with my hands. They're very nice bunny ears. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just too much for new players that have no experience in role-playing. And so the, the mechanical rigidity of D&D allows them to become familiar with taking turns with numbers that beat other numbers with I guess that's a point that I had with with, with, with with rule mechanics and then they kind of go all right I've now got the concept that my character sheet allows me to do these certain things there are skills which I apply to certain tasks let's take it to another system where the skills are more broad so perhaps so you can be a little bit more inventive with what you use that skill it's, for it's better to get them into that rigidity to begin with and then deconstruct that later yeah yeah okay well that's rather than going here is freedom. You can do whatever you want. People and then uh, people and will freak out because they have no yeah, box. Yeah. Like, uh, commonly, in I mean, I don't have that problem, but there are certainly people that struggle with choice. Yeah. Commonly in creative situations, I, I play a lot of music for people who don't know. We actually define parameters mm. in order to fuel the creation of ideas, and that works a lot better than going you can do anything you want and it's just like well I, I, don't, I don't know what I want to do now because uh, but when you go I'm only going to work with these three three things like three chords or mm. three character ideas like three motivations or or, or, or something like that I was not the first one <laughs> it, <laughs> it also helps I think because a lot of beginning role plays and this is just in my opinion go into going I'm going to be this particular thing so which Pathfinder compensates for I'm going to be the fighter I'm yeah be the with race and class and all those kind of things and stab- there's lots yeah. of other kind of stuff that doesn't have those class yeah. race attributes I mean uh, World of Darkness does have a thing like that they have with templates its, but with its templates but also with its vice yeah. and its virtue oh yeah vice and virtue like the virtue is the overarching governing idea that that character is trying to follow. It's something less rigid than a combat role like a class, like the fighter. Numenera has a nice um, way of defining characters um, with its uh, I am an adjective noun that verbs. I am a I am a smart glaive who wields a halo of fire. You know, you choose those three aspects oh, of okay. the character and then you combine them together yes. and those it's but, all, an... but all of this stuff is less rigid yeah indeed than the predefined yeah. rules classes and people know their role within the party like if you're making a yeah. five-membered party you have a magic user a healer a fighter yeah. a skill junkie Stealth and a ranged combat yeah. guy and that's what you romp through the world with and it's very much and a, you do the you same are. kind of romping yeah. all the time. It's not just like, today, I am going to try and be the face of the party, even though I have no social skills that actually allow me to do that. It's, yeah. um, it's like, I will always stand at the back until that door needs breaking in, or until that skull needs cracking, and then I step yeah. forward and break that door, or crack that skull, because I'm the fighter. A problem I've noticed with World of Darkness, with new players, is a lot of people... Don't know what to do, what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, and they sort of... Make these characters that they ultimately end up, uh, this is from uh, observing two players, uh, ultimately end up unhappy with because they've sort of had this meandering of where their specialties lie and what they want to do because they have so much choice, literally. I think this brings us to an interesting point, like the, the character creation side of these systems because mm-hmm. even before a new role player gets in a room with their party members and actually role plays they have to make their character a lot of so this hasn't happened with us but a lot of um what i've heard about a lot of people when they first play a new system um 
they just go with pre-gens. Really? Or if you're introducing someone, like if you do it, a lot of a lot of people that run single scenario games too, they do pre-gens. I like the the DM makes the characters for the scenario and then lets everyone choose. I played a um a one-shot D&D fourth ed campaign um uh, game after my fir- after my first campaign and I was like the mature player that was selected by the DM to come in and help with the party and we played pre-gens. Yeah, and, the, and, like, the, and those guys that were playing it yeah. for the first time thought it was quite. They had fun. Yeah, because it required no prep. Indeed, they just kind of came. They're like, and oh, this is who I shoot. am. Yeah. That's easy. I don't need to try and create a person. I personally dislike pre-gens mainly because, in my opinion, you don't really know your way around a system until you've actually made your character. Because you pick up. Uh, the boundaries you can work within the rules uh, and even just the dice rolling system so much better if you've actually so what about what about one shot versus campaign as a as a, as a first experience I think one shot I think one shot is a good point. Because I think one shots could work with the pre-gen. Yeah, because yeah. you don't have to spend all this laborious time making a I character and then you just get into a situation and it, and you've got a competent, you need a competent DM yeah. that yes. knows the rules and then it's just be like, oh, I'll do this. And it's just like, no, nah, it doesn't work like that. You can only use that for these things. And the player goes, oh, okay, uh, this. And then they go, yeah, that'll work. And then yeah. you go through with the scenario yeah. and make them roll the numbers. So, so in the last year... Uh, we've actually been running a lot of one-shots um, under my direction. Initi- it's my initiative. <laughs> it's my Avengers initiative. Of our casual role-playing group. Indeed. Um, which we'll be wrapping up soon. Uh, but uh, I use that primarily to introduce new systems. Um, so we introduced One Roll Engine and Wild Talents... Well, that of which I played neither. I quite Indeed. enjoyed that. Which is a, and we did that as a one shot. And we also did what other ones did we introduce? We, we introduced Eclipse Phase as a one shot. Um, I was very dubious about, and now <laughs> quite enjoy because of philosophical discussions about the future of humanity and transhumanism. <laughs> Off topic, but. Uh, the actual system itself of Eclipse Phase, played as a horror game with a transhumanism setting, is very enjoyable. Um, Kim Zim, thumbs up. And we also tried out uh, uh, Star, Star Wars, Wars Edge, of the Empire. Edge of the Empire, which is a really... A, a very different system. I really love that system. And you didn't get around to running that Numenera one No, sadly I didn't run Numenera, but I, you know... But the, the point is, I think, as a one-shot, introducing players to new... Uh, systems. I think that's a r- introducing old players to new systems um, and also new players to a system. A one shot is really good because they don't have to agonize over choice if they are designing a character. Um, it's not, I'm going to be stuck with this forever. And it also gives you plenty of, uh, it gives you opportunity to make a mistake, I feel. It's like this is just a one-off thing. I feel like that. don't don't ma- doesn't yeah. matter if you, doesn't matter if you make a bad choice here and your character dies, you'll only be not playing for like half an hour. You're not going to be not playing for a couple of runs till we find an opportunity to introduce your new character. Or we're not going to have to needlessly resurrect you from the dead in a setting where that completely ruins the tone because uh, your character happens to be a uh plot-based character, the chosen oh, one. have that glorious, you're a wizard, we need a wizard, come with us. Yeah. How did your cavalier get introduced? I was just riding around when, was the, uh, when Hong got eaten by the nether. I think this was before Tristan rocked up. I think so. And the GM was just like, hey, you should check out that cavalier. <laughs> check out my cavalier named Ryder. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, I think the one-shot provides a unique opportunity. And as for the pre-gens, I often wonder if... Because in our group, whenever I bring up pre... Intru- say that a run's gonna, a game's going to use pre-gens with the one-shots, lots of people don't like that idea. I don't even know when you said that. Uh, I've mentioned it. It doesn't... It's not really relevant. Uh, but I brought it up. talking about experienced... Indeed, experience. Yeah, experience. But that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about first time players using pre gens. I, I agree with Kim in that it, it's. 
it's for, a really good way to do it. For campaign or one shot, I'd actually back both. I would not. A back short, it for a campaign. short campaign I'm, could I'm work. I'd back it for a campaign because it eliminates what Raymond's talked about in the fact that you don't have to agonise about choices over making mm. a shit character because your character is guaranteed almost guaranteed. Well, so it depends on the length of the you campaign. You can mitigate that. Like, I, I feel primarily for a camp, a long-running campaign, you should not a long-running campaign, just the campaign okay. more than a one-shot, say yeah. six. Six. Even that, I think that you uh, new players will be sort of a bit more invested and a bit more interested if they make their own characters. And the storyteller, a good storyteller, Ooh, should also segue. Uh, assist new characters and involve them. New players, new players in making their characters. Uh, involve them in the process and sort of heighten that instance. And that would also potentially I'm so, mitigate. I'm so torn. I'm so torn. So this, I see the merit on both sides. So this segues. No! This segues into another point that I had, which is. We'll be back uh, on this. Choosing the right system for the right player. Oh, now we get into a whole debate. And 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 also, but particularly in relation to what you said, uh, I think that for some players, being the pre-gen is going to be a relief. But for others, some people really like the minutia and the paperwork, like you and I and Kim actually knows this person as well knows someone that fucking loves paperwork <laughs> they will not play a game unless they get paperwork she you is know, an outlier they've got to make all them freaking lists oh, drop my pen I don't so you're it. getting into a hole once you start uh, trying to uh, match games to plays and deciding uh, it can become a really I almost think you can overthink it in some ways because you also don't really know what a player is going to be like until they've had that experience. For instance, when you started, Hong was a pretty by the books, uh, not really rocking the boat kind of guy. And now almost all of your characters you've experienced are essentially like, I'm going to fuck this setting up in some way or another. I like to push the boundaries. I'm an anarchist. But you at wouldn't heart, know apparently. that from your first. Uh... That's true. Um, I was more talking about. Um... To use an example, we introduced our friend Vaughn to D&D. Uh, it wasn't his first game, but it was one of his oh, earlier games. I see where games. you're going with this. And he pretty much, I want, don't want to say hate, but he strongly disliked it. And that is because it was yeah. number and mechanic, primarily number, but I feel mechanic If they heavy. cannot number crunch, then I should choose a different first <laughs> system. And also, people get daunted by a lot of rules. Like, um, I think, uh, and feel free to correct me on this. Xandra doesn't like reading rule books. I will also weigh in here with. I the, don't like reading rule books. With the um, Vaughn example as well. His first play, first role playing experience in Pathfinder was at we were already all at a high level setting. Yeah, that's so. He too. suddenly, uh, I think he came in as like a level ten character, Druid. which in Pathfinder means. By that point, you have a lot of shit that normally you would be familiar with by starting at level you've one. A, you, you, you've yeah, that's a good already got two feats. Yeah. Be careful about dumping too much knowledge yes. on starting players. Yeah. I actually strongly advocate for starting players beginning at ground zero, regardless of the system. Yeah. So if you do if you're doing the one shot pre gen stuff, don't give them like super powerful level ten yeah. dudes. So do like a. Nice little There's goblin like a, fight. Yeah. People might know about this. I don't know how sort of widely known this is in the role-playing community, but there's a thing that seems to be... Was, well, was prevalent amongst our role-playing group where we started doing a lot of D&D, Pathfinder, 4th Ed, whatever, campaigns. What a darkness. Where we were... Higher Started at a higher level than the base character creation actually is. Which I don't mind, but I don't... Really but wanted. it's not good for first players. But it's not good for yeah. first players. It's not good for first players. You should start off, especially with a mud crab being really yeah. difficult. Especially in, in <laughs> especially in systems that Fucking do. Mud crabs. Especially in systems where you have tiers and levels. Yeah. Um. Like. Even with Water Darkness, like Water Darkness, if you a, a, a character with a hundred experience and a character with ten. 30 experience are going to be pretty dramatically different and at one point we were making characters that had freaking 400 extra starting experience because we were just we just wanted to get into it yeah in a nutshell it's because almost regardless of the system I have a hint of perhaps I'm not right here but your abilities 
uh, all the foundation is the level one, and they uh, those abilities are then built on, expanded, become more complicated, they become more powerful as you progress up. Yeah. Okay, so uh, this is an interesting tangent that we should pursue. That only really works in systems that have levels. There are plenty of role-playing systems where you don't have levels. And it's actually something that we as players lately have dr have sort of, I think, have drifted away from. We uh, don't seem to be, as a group, so interested in mechanical character development. I more interested in role-playing mm. character I development. certainly am. Um, I find that more... In, I mean, I still love, like, working out what I'm going to level. Okay. But I'm far more attracted to um, a system where I'm already done and there's minute changes as I develop. This Because um, I feel that's more realistic. This going back to the original uh, point about players... Yeah, we're uh, talking about intro players. Intro players to the system. Uh, I, we were talking about knowing your players. I think yeah. that is important but you should generalise yeah. to do it. You generally get two types of players. You get people that just want to get in there, have fun, fuck shit up. People or, that just want to give it a go. Yeah. Or you get people who are more want to take it more seriously, as we're saying, perhaps develop some role playing stuff. People that really want to know think, the intricacies before yeah, they do anything. I think that D and D works for both these Agreed. kinds of people. Maybe leaning towards fourth ed for the people that just want to get in there and That's do it. Yeah. Leaning to Pathfinder for the people that actually want to learn the intricacies. But M3. I think 5. that this is really the point, the, the 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 difference in the creating your own character or using a pre gen. People that want to get in there and just do it. Pre-gen character, pre yeah, fourth ed D&D, people that want to actually learn the intricacies of their character, do your own character creation, and then probably use for Pathfinder, although character creation actually works easier in fourth ed, fourth ed particularly if you want to make a magic user because of the way that spells work. Okay, so... I've never um, played uh, fourth ed, really, like I did it once. Well, everyone just has powers. I'm, uh, I'm calling a strike round, which I'm going to put a question out to both of you two. Do it. And you get to answer. Do the thing! And the question is, you are the storyteller, you have a group of new players are starting and you're trying to work out what you want to do and you've identified that there are some differences perhaps a group of four two are really keen to just get in there and hit stuff and you think pre-gens might work a bit better uh, but the other two are more sort of want to do role-playing and actually get into the thick of the system do you I'll start with Raymond do I've you, got some really good ideas do you try and just mash it into one or do you try and just go with one option at the expense of the other? What, what have you got your new players? What are you doing? So, I have much more free time than everyone else in our group, really. Uh, except Vaughn. Uh, but I have more motivation. I would, uh, probably, in that case, where there are people that really want to do a lot of actual role-playing and character development, and the other two want to just jump in and start rolling dice, two different games. Okay. I would all... run two different games. So, because they're beginning players, they're all sort of haven't done this thing before and they're good friends and they kind of want to stay together. They're not enthusiasts yet. Alright. This applies so, to you as well when you answer the question. Um, for argument's sake, let's say that our role players like more investigative, puzzle-driven um, types of story plot. Mm-hmm. I would work in a system where they get to do all their puzzling and role-playing stuff, like they got to ask questions at, at the uh, local nightclub, or they got to go down to City Hall and talk to the mayor, and if the other players are like just, I want to be rolling dice and stuff, it's they're acting like support for the investigators. I heard of one game that was run, and the system is handout heavy, like the, you get lots of documents, you're meant to be investigating cults. And two of the players in that game really hated reading, like, and homework type stuff. So they made dock workers, it was set in New York, they made dock workers, fighter type guys. And the way that this party ended up working is they'd say, oh, there's the cult, send in the two fighters, then when they're done, us three academics will walk in and read all the handouts. Okay, so we get to the heart of the matter. Quickly before we go on to Kim... I want off the top of your head, so you've gone with you would try and get a system that would I'd, accommodate. I try and balance. Off the top of your head, which system in your experience would be best for that? I don't want to hear the rationalizations yet, just off the top of your head. The uh, okay. Um, I would probably go with, for the example given, um, I think, from my understanding, Numenera could work. 
World of Darkness maybe is one of the supernatural templates. Probably Vampire, because Vampire is really overpowered. Okay, so those two. Alright, Kim. Alright. Same question. <coughs> right, I went into rationalization, that's why you cut me off. So, yeah. uh... Because I wanted the gut response. I, I don't know, I'd, I'd... Pen? I'm fairly... Happy with where I'm gonna go with this. I'd run. I'm actually facing this dilemma at the moment. Indeed. I've got three or four uni friends. One of them's played tabletop RPGs before. The other three, two or three, haven't. I forget how many there are. Kim forgets it, the numbers all the time. Yeah, all, that, 20 all that science. Uh, 20, 20, minutes. 20 minutes. <laughs> three. What's his defense? Right. So, fourth ed D and D. In terms of the, there's two people that are really keen on the. I'd I'd give pregens to the two that just want to get Indeed. in there, rolling okay, dice, yeah. and then I'd sit down with the other two and make their characters with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, this isn't the dilemma that I'm facing. Everyone's happy to make their own characters. Yeah, and that's yeah. probably what I'm going to do when I actually get around to doing this. Um, I got a point when you when we get an opportunity. That's the crux of the matter. But in terms of their different role playing experiences. You can do some stuff in game as the storyteller, like Indeed. introduce yeah. combat bits, like have one combat run, and that's for the two guys that just want to get in there rolling dice. Have physical puzzles, in-game puzzles, interesting dialogue with NPCs that you create. Multiple hello, uh, multiple solutions to the same scenario. Always yeah. have a get-out yeah. clause, like an environmental. Um, that game that I ran, that I did two runs of for you guys, where you were playing as Tengu! I was fucking love those trying to give like environmental cues, so you fought really difficult yeah. demons, but there was always like a log that you could, yeah, like, like yeah. a twig that you could snap, and that would cause a rock slide and okay. just kill all of your enemies or something like so that. So this is kind of coming now into good DMing, good storytelling. I'm going to yeah. ask you the same strike I put to Raymond, in that off the top of your head, the system that allows you in your experience to best provide that for this theoretical group is uh, fourth ed D and D. He's going with yeah. Me. Okay. I think another question off this that is important to bring up is, what do you do when? So it wasn't until recently that we had a large enough group of friends that all want that have all been introduced and all enjoyed role playing game that we are now able to run whatever we want pretty much whenever we want because there will be someone that's available. We're at that point, but it used to be we had to work out almost years in advance what was going to start running when and what days and what that was going to be. And the point that I'm trying to get to here is theme and how with the starting group, you might all want to be playing fantasy games, but the DM really wants to run sci-fi to use my own personal example. Or they really, or some of you players really want to play sci-fi, but the others really want to play fantasy, and they're not really that interested in the other, which can happen, although hasn't really happened with us. I would argue that if that situation, then happens, I feel you kind of do have to split. But if you've got a situation where the storyteller really wants to do a sci-fi, and the, none of the players are really interested in wanting to do fantasy, then I would say that the storyteller should not be running because yeah. storyteller it's be a case of yeah, you got to find they're not happy. You got you to find different players yeah. in terms of an introductory game. Yeah, keep bringing you, it back. You obviously don't have like the DM is not going to be an introductory DM. Hopefully, yeah, they're going to be an experienced DM. Have at least DM'd this system before to experienced players yeah. and have DM'd, I don't know, at least twice or something On like that, that topic. Hang on. Sorry, go, continue. So, with your introductory players, you're basically doing it for them to get them into the yeah. hobby. Yeah. So, for your first time players, you run what they want. If they want a fantasy game, you run a goddamn fantasy game. If you run a, if they want a sci-fi game, you run a sci-fi game. But the, 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 the majority of the time, people want a fantasy game as their first experience. I think yeah. that's just in us, in our group. Uh, I think that there. Are, I think 
I'm. I think this ties back to the to to, 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 yeah. to the trope idea of D and D. When people kind of decide that they want to get into role playing, they think D and D. They understand that D and D is I think, a fantasy system. I think they just think so that's what they want. I think they just think that it's mostly fantasy. Whether they think whether they think that. Whether they've convinced themselves that that's what they want, or whether that's actually what they legitimately want, I think is irrelevant. But even then, this all comes back to the I don't think it's irrelevant. of they get in, they, they start with Pathfinder, and then they get interested, start broadening their horizons, and go, oh, there's this really cool-looking sci-fi game that I wasn't aware of. Uh, you know, I've, I can hand... I've, Good with Pathfinder now. I've got my confidence up. I'm going to try that. Yeah. I don't know cool. if this is just an impersonal experience thing for me, but I also think that there's a lot more things that you can do that are not as familiar in a science fiction game as you can in a fantasy yes, game. Yes, this is the point I was going to make as well. Some sci-fi games you actually, or at least give the impression this, that This players, does relate to yeah. another question that we might be doing on this podcast later, which is how does helping... How does media consumption help with oh, yeah. role playing? Yeah. And could probably be best answered then because this really derives down to a cultural background question. Yeah, what, that's what do you? What that's have completely you about the what most you've consumed too. But another so the game on the point that Kim made another reason Pathfinder is more popular is because with sci-fi people, if they don't need to, perhaps have the perception that they actually need to know more science if they're going into like depending on the system this. Gritty, yeah, it does. Well, the perceptions on the saying, yeah, that's not, that exactly. That's, whereas fantasy that's just, has always been yeah, this, but we can't go around tearing yeah. down people's perceptions. I stab the guy, or I throw the fireball at him, rather than I hardwire this system, which I might need to know something about mechanics and shit. This is kind of scary. I'm just getting into this. I understand what you're getting at, but that is, I feel like that is more a. Th- yeah, I don't know. I don't. I feel like that's. N- There's a bit of bleed from your own preferences. I think. Indeed, in I'm this. like, what am I going to say here? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I will, Raymond here is a very hardcore science fiction fan, and I think that he would prefer to play science fiction I games pref- over. I, I over prefer to play science fiction games at the moment because no so one fantasy. fucking else runs them in our group. So you want the, to play one? The closest I'll, I'll get around to running an eclipse phase game. The eventually. closest we've gotten is Star Wars, and I space fans. And I'm not going to get into why I don't like Star Wars as a setting, um, but the game is fucking great. That those are amazing mechanics. I really do. Something like else I wanted to talk about is besides World of Darkness, what other systems do we think? Um, from our experience, obviously, I'm going to have a little bit more. Uh, are good intro systems. Not just for first-time players, though. Also for first-time I'm GMs. I'm going to put it out right now. Wushu, for people not familiar with Wushu. Oh, Wushu is... It's a very simplistic... You're limited only by your imagination, yeah. essentially. There are no real mechanical constraints Wushu is, on your character. Wushu is a lot harder for experienced uh, role players than it will ever be for new role players. Because with an experienced role player, you're, like, sitting there going... Did my thing work? I don't understand what's going on with the mechanics. It's like, don't think about the mechanics. Wushu is essentially, you say it, it happens. Indeed. You get um, dice equal to how descriptive you are, basically. I've said this before outside of the podcast. If you get a player playing Wushu and they don't really dig the experience, they're probably not going to like role-playing in general because they're not going to have that actual imagination. I I didn't dig Wushu all that much and I love a lot of other role-playing systems. You're, um... You do have a more gamerist mindset, though. I do have a more gamerist mindset, and I am on the loving paperwork side of things. I was about to I say, you're like, also... I do like a good character sheet. I'm just like, look at my numbers. I love... Look at the numbers yeah. that I made for this guy. They're pretty good numbers, guys. <laughs> they are good numbers. I love a well-designed character sheet. And then sheet. you play the game, and it's like, why are the good numbers working? Like, yeah. the Numenera character, <laughs> yeah. character sheet is so pretty. Um, another game that I think is uh, good to start off with, if you have no... Does it start with E? It does not. Proceed. If, no, if you have no prior knowledge, although I will get to that, if you have no prior knowledge of role-playing games, it's probably going to be a little difficult to get, but Numenera has some really innovative ways of doing stuff. Um, I really feel like that's the direction um, 
Pathfinder and D and D should uh, go in. Uh, we can't comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah we can't yeah, comment. Yeah, yeah. The other one, and I keep hearing we about. Didn't, we didn't play that one shot. I keep hearing about it, but I have yet to be able to run it. Um, and I'm sure that you listening to this have fate. Uh, particularly, I've heard really good things about Strange Fate as opposed to Fate Core. What I have heard about Fate has not thrilled me, but I haven't played it, so I can't comment. Uh, so I've got these two con- these two convicting conflicting viewpoints. The people that I've heard that I actually know that have played Fate give it bad uh, reviews, and I think I know why. But I'm not going to get into that. Here. <laughs> I think I know what you're the thinking. The other, but everything I've heard online, and I've listened to people play Fate, it seems a pretty easy to grasp system, and it's got, um, and it seems like it's really fun to play. I put it into a similar headspace as Wushu, and and to a lesser degree, one roll engine, um, because you've got. With the reason it's linked to one roll engine, particularly wild talents, yeah. you've got the freedom to build whatever power you want. Quick point going back to the viability of Pathfinder for beginners. One of the reasons perhaps it also makes it good, although it could be argued as a detriment, is it's not it's not really something you can easily jump into. But once mm. you've begun with it, you can essentially handle almost any other system. We've actually talked about this topic in advance too, before we made this, and I've actually brought that point up before. Uh, but thanks, Billy, for reminding me. It's if you can if you can work out how to play Pathfinder I'm in three point five D and D, you're going to be wor- able to work out how to play any other game. Yeah. And also, um, <laughs> on the topic of learning new systems, because I want to say this right now. Lots of people say uh, that they don't want to learn new systems because they don't want to have to learn new rules and things like that. I have found in my year of st- my current my y- my year spent studying role playing games intensely. Raymond D. PhD. The more systems you learn, the easier it is to learn new systems because the majority of systems are not that different from one another. They have small tweaks that make them unique and different. They introduce a new rule that you've never heard everywhere else. But it's pretty much just that new rule. Indeed. This is a bit of a tangent, though. Indeed. Experience plays at new systems rather than neophytes. Well, it's, it like is it to is. do with trying new systems, which is kind of linked to this. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything we haven't really covered? Kim, do you, do you have any other suggestions for n- intro games? Not really. You're really keen on uh, Pathfinder. We, I don't know if you heard. Kim had to take his cat somewhere. Uh, away <laughs> Jubal uh, um, yeah so I think Billy brought up the point about Pathfinder being a good setting the bar in terms of if you can handle this you'll setting, be able setting to the bar high yeah no I heard you, that and we've talked about this the basic uh, role playing experience where mm. you start off small uh, you know just a little group of adventures and then slowly build up that's an adventuring experience, not a role-playing experience. Like it, a role playing it, experience. it is a role-playing experience, but it is that is particular. That is a theme of adventuring, not a theme of role-playing. Not necessarily I, no, adventuring. I, I, no, I understand the distinction here. We're talking. It's it's basically. It's basically about the dungeon crawl type nature of the D and D experience. Like you get the quest, you go do the quest, yeah. you get through the thing, and you do, and you 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 hit the you hit the checkpoints to complete the thing, and then you go back and tell the person that we'll you did it, and then you get a, and then and then you and then you get a nice little reward, and then that actually progresses on and on and on and on and on in those nice little discrete sections. And we'll we'll get into this on another podcast um, when we talk about. The themes of specific systems yeah. and how systems are optimised to run specific types of games. Yeah, but they don't necessarily have to. They do don't that. necessarily have to. Which is the view that I'm going to take in that one, but we're not talking about that. <laughs> uh, what we're talking about now is uh, we're talking about building on Billy's point is that the adventuring style of D&D... Get, it's pretty easy to get behind. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty easy to get behind. But I think that there is scope with a good DM and the system to overlay role playing and character development outside of the mechanics of the system. On top of that, 
the, the and this comes back to the idea about not introducing both of those things at the same time where we have mechanics yeah, and true. role playing yeah. in the true sense of the term that we now use it rather than just to describe these kinds of games. I think you've pretty much convinced me to the point of and I would do this through one shots do uh, in your first or do a one shot then a campaign you use a one shot to introduce the mechanics and then you go okay now that you've all got a grasp of that you've had time to play around with mechanics in the one shot and just mess about or even a couple of one shots mm -hmm. or a couple of one shots so you don't like we kind worry. of done that with Eclipse phase you don't have to worry building up you to don't have to worry about the long term ramifications and then and then in the campaign you then get them onto more um a more full role-playing experience. Ultimately, yeah. I think it also should be said, for new players, in many ways, the system is also not as important as the quality GM. of the storyteller GM. Or the setting, like we're talking Indeed. about. We're talking about systems optimised for settings. The setting is important because that's what the players see. They don't yeah. get an appreciation for the behind-the-scenes behind the mechanics that actually allow this system to run in the way that it actually does run. I mean, we can critically analyse these things because we've played mm. a fair amount of role-playing and a lot of systems. Well, a fair amount of role-playing and a fair amount of systems. We have a good knowledge of systems, Indeed. at least. We have experience in the systems that we've played. Indeed. At anyway. the very least. Yeah. So is there anything else we really want to talk about? Uh, I don't know. About going into massive tangents on other... Yeah, we've got that... about you? Ah. Oh, yeah. Right. With your... The, I can't remember the question you asked us. You had four guys. Two yeah. of them were really keen and two are for, for just jumping in there and rolling dice. And two of them are really keen for character development and whatnot. What are you going to do? And you couldn't split the party. Okay. Uh, sorry, split them into two campaigns. Yeah. You can split the party in runs, obviously. I mean, every DM can do that if they want to. We advise caution. Short answer. <laughs> you want to be prepared. Oh that's a whole other. That's a whole other thing. Short if, the, if the party splits themselves, that's their own fault. And if they all die, you can't take responsibility. But if yeah. you forcibly split them, be prepared. Be prepared for backlash. The short answer I will give to this is Pathfinder. Um, Pathfinder, not Fourth Ed. No, Pathfinder. Because. Okay. And the longer answer is. Pathfinder, for me, it allows you to have a flexibility to have people, as you said before, specialising in these roles and giving people their time in the spotlight, essentially. Uh, so, you might have the two people who just want to, you know, get in and crack some skulls. In Pathfinder, it easily gives you the opportunity to provide quick, short fights or potentially a little longer encounters where they can get their fill. On the offside, the uh, character's more interested in the mechanics. They have plenty to chew on to begin with. Uh, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> but if people are... The new beginners are wanting to get in hit stiff, it's fairly simple if they just want to be like a generic fighter at low levels. Like, that is not hard to grasp what you are doing. You're fighting. It's right there in the Indeed. name. So what about, what about making? What about making characters? Would you get them all to develop their own characters? Or would you actually do the character development for the two fighters or whatever? And... I feel I would get people to make their own characters, but again, because of the people who just wanted to get in and punch stuff, you can breeze through that fairly quickly. There's not a lot of stuff you need to worry about so much. It's been a while since I've made a Pathfinder character, you but I, much... I remember it taking more than an hour. You can pretty much, and I mean, the storyteller can also step in and just be like, you're making this character, here's what I advise you do, for instance, for what you want to do. Whereas the people more involved, you could I be like... I guess that's really what I'm going yeah. for with a pre-jam. I mean, if they want to be involved in the character creation... Well, it, with, with that kind of a game, I'd say, what do you want to do in the game? And they'll be like, oh, I want to be like a ninja. And I'll be like, right, bam, I've made you a ninja. Or I want to be like a really good archer. And then I'll... Yeah, you could ask them yeah. the questions, like yeah. scenario-based questions, rather than just being like, okay, so what skills do you want? Yeah. What do you want to like, do in a fight? I don't know what kind yeah. of skills I want. What kind of skills? They'll probably ask you what yeah. skills do you advise in the on end the, anyway, on the topic of On the topic know. of skills, yeah. Numenera does not have pre-made skills. It is you make up your skills. Yeah. You get a number of skills you're allowed to make, and then you just list them. But sure, I, I believe Pathfinder accommodates for giving uh, a lot of detail, not much, at early levels, a lot of detail, not much detail, and 
giving people the opportunity to shine in various yeah, it's scenarios. Got, it's, it's got that two-leveled effect yeah. as well of uh, adventuring versus role-playing, but I will admit that the role-playing is limited and that's when you move to new agreed. systems. Agreed. Yeah. It's very agreed there. It's not... But you can do it. You can do it. It's not optimised for it. Anyway, I don't think we really have anything else to say uh, on this topic. I have things, but they could probably better go into the Storyteller GM discussion, I feel. Um... So we might wrap this up. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. I, did, I didn't talk about Eclipse Phase as much as I, w- I thought I would. I think I talked about Eclipse Phase the most. Mm. Indeed. Which is a nice change. Yeah. I'm, I'm you like, now like yeah, the mohawk of Eclipse. I like Eclipse Phase as a system. Anyway, I can talk about my newfound love for Eclipse Phase as a horror game later. Indeed. <laughs> Alright, so I'm Raymond. I'm Will. Kim. Oh my god, we've merged. Again. <laughs> We're Will Kim. I'm Raymond. I'm Kim. I am uh, Will, Billy, Fred. <laughs> Wolverine. <laughs> and you've been listening to The Crusading, Crusading Couch. Couch. Farewell from the past. George. I'm Raymond. Steve.